I'm Marianne Kolbesak McGee, Executive Editor at Information Security Media Group. Today I'm speaking with Penny Chase, Senior Principal Scientist and an IT and Cybersecurity Integrator at MITRE, and Afton Ross, who is Senior Special Advisor for Emerging Initiatives in the Office of Strategic Partnerships and Technology Innovation at the FDA's Center for Devices and Radiological Health. We'll be discussing the recently issued Medical Device Cybersecurity Regional Incident Preparedness and Response Playbook from MITRE and the FDA. So MITRE and the FDA in 2018 issued a Medical Device Cyber Incident Response Plan Playbook, but this updated response plan focuses on regional incident preparedness and response. Why? Penny, would you like to start? So we recognize that um, often when you know there are cyber incidents in an area, you know it may affect a single hospital, and then they're going to have to potentially do diversions. If it's a smaller hospital, they might not have all the resources to recover from the cyber incident, and can draw upon regional resources, which depends upon being prepared and knowing folks in your region who can help you. I don't know if Afton wants to add anything to that. Well, I think the only other item I'd want to highlight, um, which kind of gets to perhaps the why now, but it's related to the regional partnerships, is the fact that we really are seeing more cyber-related intrusions, exploits, ransomware, and other incidents. And we know that these incidents have the potential to, in some cases, have um, impacted patient safety as Penny indicated. We know that there have been diversions, for example, and that perhaps there have been difficulties in accessing devices. And if you can't access the device, um, then it's not functioning as intended. And so it's really important for the ecosystem as a whole to think about how they can work together to better prepare for these types of incidents. Because unfortunately, I think we're at a point that it's not a matter of if this might happen, but when. And just to build on that, um, one of the reasons for doing the update was seeing all these ransomware attacks that actually are very widespread throughout a healthcare delivery organization and lasting a long time. Hospitals are very good at preparing for emergency response and management for, you know, downtime for like 12 hours. And here with these ransomware attacks, Hospitals may lose their their electronic health records for several weeks, if not months. So with that said, how should healthcare entities approach medical device cyber incident regional response? How does that differ from how they should plan for outages and incidents such as ransomware attacks that affect medical devices within their own facilities? Afton, you want to begin? So I think one of the things that the playbook does a really good job of is encouraging healthcare organizations to fold their cybersecurity 
incident preparedness and response into their existing incident response plans, because certainly while there are some unique features to cybersecurity with regard to who some of the partners might be, the general principles are very much the same. And so you don't want to necessarily be trying to do something totally unique for a cybersecurity incident than you would do for other types of emergencies. And that's part of the reason that the MITRE team and perhaps Penny might want to speak to this a little bit, um, tried to put the playbook actually into a framework that was more familiar to healthcare organizations as it relates to um, other emergency preparedness and response activities. Both the original playbook and the update um, really relied on the NIST cyber incident response framework. But as we were doing the update, we realized although we had in the first version of the playbook talked a little bit about how cyber incident response should be folded into general emergency preparedness and response. We hadn't really put it within the what's called the HICS framework, the hospital incident command system. And that's a way that hospitals go and structure how they respond to incidents, recognizing that every kind of incident that happens, there will be different people who have to be involved. And the idea is to go and take a look at cyber and see where in the Hicks structure um, cyber needs to be included. And so we were very explicit about ma- making the about referring to the Hicks system. When it comes to the kinds of medical devices that are most worrisome when it comes to regional outages linked to cyber attacks, what kinds of medical devices should healthcare delivery organizations be thinking about? I'm going to say it depends um, to some degree based on the services that an individual healthcare organization might utilize. But I do think that one of the areas that we are paying certainly attention to um, are related to some of the imaging areas. And it's related to one of the things that Penny mentioned. If you start to have prolonged long-term outages and you have regional networks where you might have other facilities who are using that capability, that imaging capability that your facility might have that they don't have, and that system is down, you're not only having impacts for the patients for that given healthcare organization, but also you're having, if you will, that blast radius for healthcare organizations that are dependent on those technologies as well, or access to lab and lab equipment and things of that nature. Yeah, and just to add to that, hospitals cannot operate their emergency department without access to imaging technologies like CT scanners and MRIs. And, you know, in that case, they would have to divert patients to other hospitals. And so that can create lots of issues in the region. So Penny, earlier you mentioned the various people that might come into play for an incident and response. Who should use this playbook? Security teams of a health delivery organization, other people, who would this be most beneficial for? I think it's probably beneficial for anybody who's going to be involved in cyber response and going back to the HICS. You know, the HICS structure is a functional structure. You know, one person might actually wear multiple hats, especially in a smaller hospital. But I think there's something in here for the information technology folks in a hospital, for their clinical engineers who, you know, do the in-house management of devices, clinicians also who make some of those 
decisions about what they're going to do because they understand the clinical impact. There's a little bit for everybody, especially in the preparedness side um, as you try and put a plan together to figure out who's going to be responsible. Just to add to what Penny was saying about having multiple stakeholders involved and it being critically important also in the preparedness phase, it's not confined to the hospital itself. It's very important that there is collaboration um, across the ecosystem um, with other partners who might be engaged as part of a response, so including manufacturers um, and others in the region that might be engaged in the actual incident ahead of time is certainly one of the things we try to put forward and emphasize um, in the playbook as being helpful. I mean, I think a lot of the um, preparedness section of the playbook really focuses on understanding those relationships and building them because you don't want to wait until something happens to find out who you're supposed to call for help. So with that all said, Afton, is there a takeaway or a few takeaways that you would like medical device makers to sort of evaluate or assess as they're putting together their security by design programs for their medical devices, something they should be keeping in mind when it comes to incident response and their products? Certainly. I think one of the keys here um, that are are expressed in the playbook that's certainly applicable for the healthcare delivery organizations, but for medical device manufacturers as well, is communication. Um, Communication is a critical part of both preparedness and response. And so making sure that you are maintaining those open lines of communication um, with your end users when there is a response, knowing that there might be questions about your technologies, perhaps other modes that could be used for those or other alternatives um, are going to certainly be, you know, critically important, whether, you know, if they take something off the network, whether they can still get some of those critical functions. Those are all things that manufacturers can be thinking about as part of the security by design and trying to think through, you know, some of those potential hazard conditions, but also in thinking about how they might communicate with their um, end users when something does happen and how they might be able to provide additional insight and support that might help the facility as they work through this challenge. One thing that we learned while we were writing the playbook is that you know, hospitals often really know the salespeople, but if something goes wrong and they really need technical cyber support, they don't necessarily know the right people to contact at the manufacturer. And so manufacturers can really work to help, you know, make sure that their salespeople know how to point the their customers to the right people. Sometimes a manufacturer may have to come in and help re-image a device and they need to be prepared to, to do that. And the hospitals have to know how to reach out to make sure that happens. So there, again, there's a lot of prep work that should be done so you're ready to, to respond in an incident. And finally, besides the emphasis on sort of the regional response, is there anything else that's new or updated in, in this response playbook, this newer edition versus what was in 2018 that healthcare delivery organizations should really be paying attention to? One of the key features we put in in this version of the playbook is an appendix of resources. And most of those are 
from government or public-private partnerships like the Health Sector Coordinating Council Cybersecurity Working Group, um, but their references to FBI, to CISA, to different agencies within HHS. So it's like a one place to go and look to find what are the available resources. Um, and many of them are, you know, are designed to help hospitals prepare for, for incidents such as, you know, being able to put on tabletop exercises. There are a lot of resources to help hospitals do that. The other thing we did, and I'll say this was really at the urging of FDA because they wanted this to be a very useful document to help people, you know, be able to figure out how to use it when a situation has happened. And so we also developed a quick start companion guide to help new users of the playbook navigate their way through it to understand what's there. But it also captures the key points in each of the different sections in a much in a smaller format so a shorter format so people in the heat of responding can go and look for the right section and see what the key resources are for for uh, using to help them respond. So I wanted to add one point about the companion guide, and then I had one other point as well. So the other thing is, so Penny mentioned how useful it could be for a healthcare organization that might be experiencing an incident, but it's also helpful for those who are preparing because it, it very clearly highlights some of the main points that are in the playbook itself, but puts it in bite-sized chunks so that you can think through on your end where you might want to further shore up your preparedness and response program and perhaps start and focus on those areas where you have some of the greatest weaknesses. And that's a good way to kind of use the companion guide to help you then go to those places in the playbook that are going to provide you with additional um, context. The other point that I wanted to make um, is with regard to, um, again, thinking through these extended downtimes. I think one of the other main points that the playbook tries to make is to actually think through your plans and procedures and whether you actually have on hand what you would actually need to implement those procedures. So I know our MITRE colleagues, when they were doing some of the focus groups to help to inform the update to the playbook, they were talking with facilities and they would find out that their backup was to go to paper. But in some cases, what they found was that the facility didn't actually have enough paper on hand. So the playbook is also meant to be a forcing function to help organizations think through what their backups are, whether they actually have all the pieces to implement them, and then also thinking about how they come back online. So which devices or services are going to be most critical for patient safety and care? How are they going to bring those back up in some order of priority? Again, this is why it's important to have the broader hospital organization participating, including clinicians, because they're going to be able to help provide some insights into how they might want to do that. So we definitely don't want to leave out our clinical staff as we're thinking through both our preparedness and response activities. Well, thank you so much, Afton and Penny. I've been speaking to Afton Ross of the FDA and Penny Chase of MITRE. I'm Marianne Kolbisak-McGee of Information Security Media Group. Thanks for joining us.